0: Well, good morning, and thank you again, Alfonso and Danny, for sharing your hearts with us Uh, during these uh, troubled times. uh, It is so good to be gathered here, whether you're here in person or watching in a video, to be able to dive into God's Word together, where we believe with all of our hearts, the answers are there in God's Word. And you know, the older I've gotten and just see what's going on in the world and evaluating my own life and seeing the lives of people around me, it makes me all the more confident that we need God and we need God's Word. And God's Word applied to our lives really does work. It really does change the trajectory of our lives and of our church and of our world. And so it's a great time to be able to gather together and hear from God's Word of what He wants to say to each one of us. Maybe you know this from last week. It's great timing. We just started a series called Be the Church. And in all this turbulence going on around us, what an awesome opportunity for every one of us to be the church, to be who God has intended us to be, to be a light to our awesome creator and our awesome savior, Jesus, because we get to really stand out at this time and show that the Bible works because it's God's word in being the church, not just talking about it, but living it out. So this series is all about the one another commands. There's dozens of different one another commands uh, that we're going to go through in these coming weeks to really look deeply into our lives and see, are we really living these out? Last week, Pastor Wiles started us off with love one another. And that was an awesome teaching and very timely. And we believe this one's very timely today as we talk about serving one another. And how important it is to live a life of service and humility to everyone around us, not just who we pick and choose. So we're going to dive into 1 Peter chapter 4 and read this passage in verses 10 and 11, which really highlights this important, um, this important thought. So here we go, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So what this passage is saying is you and I have received gifts from God. They're not our own. They were given to us. Gifts talents, abilities that every one of us has received. And when you ask Jesus to come into your life and the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, you get to use these spiritual gifts to bless the other people around you. They're not our gifts, but we're stewards of these gifts that we get to serve God. We get to speak on His behalf. The words that come out of our mouths as Christians should be representing God And pointing people to God. As we serve and we lay down our lives, we do that in God's strength. And why do we do all this? Because it brings praise to God. That's the life that we are called to. And you know, it's amazing to be able to be in this privileged relationship with Jesus Christ that he has invited every person to be a part of because we have this amazing hero. We have this amazing role model, Jesus who lived that life. He didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk and lived as a servant, serving other people, and so we can come alongside Jesus and serve people. So here's the big idea for today. As we follow our servant king, Jesus, we lay down our lives and serve others. Is that something that you're willing to do? Is that something that you know today you're being called to do as Jesus laid down his life for you and me. And he says, come and follow me. We are now responsible to lay down our lives for other people. What an incredible command and incredible responsibility. Now we see in our world right now, quite the opposite. We see people serving themselves, right? Whether it's abusing authority to inflict pain on people and overgo with their their authority and their strength, that's selfish. Or we see other people breaking into stores and hurting other people and stealing things for themselves. And all of these different injustices, all these different acts of selfishness cause hurt and pain in our lives. And when we see that around us, or maybe we even have personal experiences unrelated to all these where people hurt us, we say, I don't want to serve anybody. You know what? This is a harsh world. And so I'm going to look out for myself. And everything in us wants to just serve ourselves and not serve humanity because there's hurt, there's pain, and there's discomfort. So we ask, this, our, uh, we ask ourselves this question, what if others don't deserve our service? Have you ever thought that before? Maybe you know the Bible's calling you to serve other people. You think, well, what if I'm supposed to serve somebody, but I don't think they deserve it? How do we respond to that? There's a phrase uh, in Latin in the Bible called quorum Deo. And this quorum Deo is translated into the presence of God. Throughout the Bible, it says, in the presence of God, serve one another. It's also interpreted... By the, in the face of God, or in the sight of God, we serve. So you understand now that we imagine us walking around in this world in the presence of God, in the sight of God, before the face of God. And he says, I'm not calling you to serve other people and lay down your life only for them, but I'm asking you to do it for me, because we live in the presence of God. And when we die... That will come to fruition where we're really before the face of God. That is why we lay down our lives. And you know, Jesus, what an amazing hero he was in all of this. Jesus was a servant. You know, He washed the disciples' feet. He took care of the poor. He gave comfort to those that were outcasts. He talked to the Jews and the Gentiles about being unified and coming together and laying aside all of those stereotypes and discriminations that were happening during His time. When He went through Samaria, He gave forgiveness to the Samaritan woman and showed His love for all people. Whether they were poor or they were outcast or whatever people group there was Jesus was a servant to them and no person in human history has ever demonstrated a servant heart more than Jesus when he went to the cross to die for you and I what an incredible act of humility when Jesus said even though you've sinned and even though you've made all those selfish mistakes I will die. The King will lay down His life for His people. What an incredible act of service and humility and why we rally around Jesus so much and we give Him our lives. Jesus says this in Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. I hope you know that deep in your heart today, that Jesus gave his life as a ransom for you. That's why he died on the cross and rose again to serve you. How in the world does a holy, holy God come to a carnal earth and die for the very people that have turned away from him? The all-powerful God, the perfect God, the creator who was and is and is to come said, I'm going to come And lay down my life in a painful crucifixion because I love you so much. What an incredible act of humility. You know, no other religion worships a servant king like Christianity. I've loved studying world religions, and I hope you've looked into that some. And with just a short amount of time studying all the world religions, you're gonna come to the understanding there's no one like Jesus. There is no one that speaks to the human condition like the Bible that we get to read every day. No other religion worships the true God who is this servant king laying down his life for us. And we get to go tell the world about him. We get to be his representative. And I often think about, you know, in all that's going on in the world and all the chaos and the the conflict that's going on. We, we as a staff team and pastor team, we say, "Man, what are we doing as a church? And how are we doing as a church?" That's a question that many of us ask. How is Christianity changing the trajectory? of our world. You know, George Barna was a guy that loved to do these surveys and polls and he served Christianity a lot with all of his different amazing, insightful surveys and polls about how the church is doing and what are these different kinds of trends. And George Barna asked this question a while ago, what's the church doing today? That was a really popular survey that people were interested in and read. And I remember decades ago when this question was asked, A pastor said to me and many others, a question that has stuck with me for many years. And the pastor said this that I really took to heart. He says, when you ask, what is the church doing, the capital C church doing? Ask this question, what are you doing? What's the church doing? Ask, what am I doing? Because if I'm praying, and I'm trusting God and I'm in the Word, that means I've moved the needle for the church is in the Word and they're praying. Is the church you know, being a spokesperson? Well, are you being a spokesperson? Or if the church is involved in pornography and lust and greed and they're just looking out for themselves and they're just speaking out with hatred about whatever bothers them, that's what the church is doing that day. We have this opportunity to look at ourselves and look at our hearts and say, we are the church. We have an incredible privilege to be ambassadors, representatives, to point people to Jesus. You know, in the 1950s, the late 1950s, the L.A. Police Department did a contest. And the contest was this. Come up with the best best motto that could describe what we do. And they encouraged people to send in all these different um, ideas in in just a a few short words to describe what is the role of the police. And they found their best slogan, their best motto. And in 1963, they put out their motto, to protect and to serve. In a short amount of time, it was such a Uh, a great motto that most of the police forces in America adopted this as their motto. The police are here to protect and to serve. You know, in all the chaos that's going on around us, I think we would all agree that most of them do an amazing job of that. They do their best to lay down their life every day to protect the people and to serve the people. However, what we did see in these last couple weeks was about as opposite as you could possibly imagine. There was no protection of George's life. There was no service to George's life. And then as we go on and see the response of of people walking over injured people to go into stores to steal TVs, they're not protecting each other. They're not serving each other. And I thought about this. What if that wasn't the police motto? What if that was our Christian motto? What if every one of us as a Christ follower said, you know what? I want that to be me. I want to go through life protecting people and serving people. And I'm going to step out of my comfort zone, out of my own selfish realm, and I want to protect any opportunity that I can. I want to serve people. I don't want it to just be my job when I put on a uniform. I don't want it to just be the thing I get paid to do at my job. I don't want it to just be my own family because everybody should look out for your own family. But it was like your life mission to protect and serve and love other people. Galatians 5.13 says it so well. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Wow, that's a wonderful thing. But... Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Isn't that incredible, this calling that he's making to the Galatian church and to every one of us, brothers and sisters, every one of us here? You're free. You can go live your life how you want. You have free will to walk through this life as you wish. However, here's the warning. Don't use that freedom for your own selfish physical pleasures. Rather, wake up every day and think, how can I serve other people in humility and in love? That is the abundant life. That's walking with Jesus. Every day trying to put aside your own pleasure, your own greed, the things that are just so self-serving that can really just run through our blood. And say, God, fill me that I might love and serve other people in humility and love. Why is this so difficult? I've said it over and over again. We're selfish. We're so selfish. I'm selfish and you're selfish. And if we really look in the mirror and we're honest with each other, the reason we don't have servant hearts, the antithesis of a servant heart is selfishness. We want what we want. We want our own way. And we don't care what it costs other people to get what we want. You know, I want to share a story about uh, some, some people near and dear to me. It's been a really emotional week for us. Uh, two people that uh, I've, I've loved and appreciated have passed away this week. Uh, first, one of my best friends, John Drage, uh, died recently of cancer. And uh, he's just a hero and a selfless man that I look up to greatly. And he is going to be a a part of a future teaching because there's a lot of emotion there and a lot of things that I want to say about John Drage uh, being one of my my best friends. This other hero of mine I never met, and his name's Ravi Zacharias, and he's a a world-renowned apologist and a theologian. And there's a picture of Ravi Zacharias here, and he just passed away. A couple weeks ago. And uh, if you know anything about Ravi Zacharias, you know he's just got some, some rich, deep thoughts, and he's affected all different kinds of cultures. But Ravi used to quote Malcolm Muggeridge a lot. And I'm going to tell you a story about Malcolm Muggeridge. Malcolm Muggeridge was a womanizer, a hedonist, a very selfish man for most of his life. He was very famous because he was one of the best British journalists of his time. He was very famous and and wrote all kinds of amazing things and a deep thinker, but he was a a womanizer and did not walk with God. Later on in his life, he gave his life to Christ and wrote some amazing, beautiful things uh, about Christianity. And one of the stories that Malcolm Mugrich shared that Ravi Zacharias made famous was this story that I'm going to tell you about the human heart. Malcolm Muggeridge again, was a, a, a British journalist and would travel all over the world to do amazing stories. And one time he was in India and he was there doing a story and he was in his hotel and he decided he wanted to go swimming in this river in India. So he, got down out, he came down out of his hotel and he jumps in the river and he's swimming and he looks across the river and he sees this beautiful silhouette of a woman. And he feels this divide in his heart because he's always struggled with womanizing. But he was married now. And he was thinking, I should really keep my vows. But he let the temptation foster in his heart and he decided, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to make a play for this and try to sleep with this woman. And he starts swimming across this river. He says in his writings, he was just almost f- just furiously swimming across this river as if to outswim his own conscience. As he got closer and closer to this woman, he comes out out of the water and he's only feet away and he's shocked by what he sees. This woman bathing in the river turns around and he realizes it's an old woman with leprosy. Her nose is eaten away. Her lips are eaten away. She barely has any teeth. And she looks at surprise to Malcolm Muggeridge and he looks shocked at her. And here's what Malcolm Muggridge said. He said, the first thought that came to my mind that I didn't even get to finish was, what an ugly, lecherous woman. And just as that thought was coming out, he heard a voice in his own heart and said, no, what an ugly, lecherous heart you have. And he He was just taken aback at this voice, this presence that just convicted the heck out of him. He said that would later on be an important spiritual moment in his life, that his judgment, his lust, and his selfishness to get something that he wanted, that he thought was something else, and he gets there, and just as he's ready to accuse that of the ugliness, he's confronted with his own ugliness and his own selfishness. And you know, that's what all of us need. That's what the, we, we really long for in the depths of our heart is this mirror to show us that living a life for ourselves and living a life of selfishness leads nowhere. It's joyless. It's empty. And when we're confronted with that selfishness, as Malcolm Muggridge says wow, I need forgiveness. The depths of my heart are not good. We see that in our world right now. The discrimination, the stereotypes, the conflict, the selfishness, all of them are an apologetic. All of them are an arrow pointing to God, pointing to the Gospel that every one of us needs a ransom. Jesus Die for our sins. Philippians 2 says it so well. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves and not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus how's your mindset today? Do you have your eyes on Jesus? Do you see how He lived? Do you see what He's calling you to? And again, as it runs through our veins to just look out for our own interests, we need God. We need an indwelling of the Holy Spirit to get outside that, to overcome that and say, no, I don't want to be about myself. I want to get my eyes off of myself and I want to love people and I want to serve them and I want to value them and I want to bless them. Because that's what it means to walk with Jesus. I think this says it so well, this quote that I want to read to you. And I'm not going to tell you who wrote the quote till afterwards, but uh, I've shared with you many times that I believe Facebook to be mostly a cesspool. Um, However, I did read this and I I try to stay away from Facebook as much as I can. When I read this and I thought it was so wise and worthy of value to share with you. So here's the quote. We can be mad. We can be angry. But we need to make sure that our anger doesn't turn into sin. Make sure your eyes are fixed on the Lord. You have every right to be annoyed, angry, and sick of the things that happen in this world. Use that anger to show the world God's love and what He wants. He doesn't want racism. He doesn't want hate. He doesn't want violence on top of violence. Do something about it, but make sure you have a clear view on the Lord and not the world. Aren't those great words? I'm pretty proud of that quote because it comes from my 13-year-old daughter. My 13-year-old daughter and, and my older son, Dominic, are both biracial. And I just love talking to all three of my kids about all these issues that are going on as these teaching moments. You know, there's a a picture up here of, of my family, and I think about my wife and I having these conversations about race for long times. Over a decade of conversations about race. And my wife and I do not always know what this experience is like. We don't always know what to do, and we don't always know what to say. It's difficult to navigate just like it is for anyone else. But what's not as difficult to navigate is the principles of God's Word. And we tell our children all the time, we value every person. Each person gets a chance to demonstrate their own heart. And we don't make assumptions about anyone and don't let anyone make assumptions about you. And as best as we can describe it, these are, these are kind of the principles that my wife and I have shared with our children, and here it is. You can go through life and stereotype a whole group of people and dislike them if you think that is a solution. But you can't walk with Jesus and be His follower. You cannot discriminate against a whole people group or any ethnicity, or every single policeman. You can stereotype. You can think that you're right. You can try to categorize people as much as you want and dislike them and be uncomfortable and not serve them and not be engaged with them. But I'll tell you, you can't walk with Jesus. That's not who He was. He gave every person a chance to respond to the Gospel. He demonstrated love to every one of them. And Jesus is asking every one of us to follow Him today. Now, if you've been overwhelmed by any of the things going on in the world or you've got these own things in your heart that you're angry or you're upset about and you think, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can even walk this walk with Jesus that He's asked me to because it is a high bar. I'll just tell you, we all need the Father. We all need our heavenly dad to help us have the strength and the love and the heart of service to live out this calling. So we need to run to God. You should be overwhelmed by that. You should feel your own inadequacy to impact this world because that inadequacy leads us to the Father. And we're going to sing a song right now called, Run to the Father. Not walking apathetically or doing nothing for the kingdom of God, but to run to the Father. And here's one of the lyrics that I want to highlight. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. If you've been going through life on your own, you've probably come to the understanding that it's not working for you. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to run to the Father. Today is the day to ask Jesus to come into your life, ask Him to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you may live out what He's asking us to do in Scripture. And whether you've asked Christ into your life or not, you can do that today, regardless of your past. You can run to the Father and ask Jesus to come into your life and have the forgiveness that you need. And maybe there's Christians out there right now that you're still living close-handed and you're living for yourself. You need to run to the Father too. Say, God, I am sorry for trying to live this life on my own and I'm going to seek Your grace and I'm going to seek Your heart and walk with You forever. Let's pray that, that we would do that individually, and as a church. Heavenly Father, we come to You in all humility and say, Lord, we have all succumbed to selfishness at times. Lord, we thank You that You stand there with open arms to receive us knowing that we've made many poor decisions and we've thought many bad thoughts, Lord, We've made a lot of choices to walk away from You. But today, You're inviting every one of us to come to You. Lord, as we hear that in our hearts, Lord, we we understand this invitation. God, would every one of us run to You right now. And that running to You means something. It says, Jesus, I'm going to let You lead my life. I'm going to leave my selfish ways behind these things that I'm holding on to, these sins in my life, the things that I've been disobeying You and I've been rebelling and I've been trying to hide, I'm running away from that. And I'm running to You. Lord, why would any one of us not run to the Servant King, the Holy, Holy, Holy God, the Creator of the universe that loves us deeply? Oh God, help us to run to You. Heal us. Help us heal our land. Give us that deep desire to walk with You so that we can serve one another humbly. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.